everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Morning, everybody. Thanks for coming to the Vineyard today. We have been in the book of 1 Peter for two months, and today we cross the finish line, sort of. I'll explain that later. But uh, last week was so great. We spent a week talking about the Holy Spirit. There's a short phrase in 1 Peter chapter 4 that describes the Holy Spirit resting on us. And so we kind of celebrated Pentecost a week late and not only talked about how the Holy Spirit shows up today, but spent some time praying for each other, actually kind of a long time, like 20, 30 minutes of just what we call in the vineyard ministry time where people were getting prayer and giving prayer. And I would love to hear more stories, but somebody just said, you know, I haven't experienced the presence of God like that in years. So I'm praying for more of that. I think that's one of the things that we can't do on a screen, but we can do when we gather together is to lay hands on each other and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to pray and to experience uh, his presence in our midst. So, I mean, just be in prayer with me that God would keep showing up like that. Uh, we're going to read a whole, go through a whole chapter today, 1 Peter chapter 5, and so I'm going to invite my friend Minty up to read through it. If you don't have one, I would encourage you to go grab a Bible from the back. Uh, there should be a pen nearby, and you can always um, circle stuff and highlight stuff as we go through. So, Minty, would you just come up? You want to stand on the floor? Okay, that's fine. I don't want to get up because then I'm going to Oh, yeah, sure. And this is appropriate, this first sentence. And now, a word to you who are elders. Is her mic on? Sorry. Can you hear her? Uh, just hold it right up to your chin. Let's try it again. Sorry about that. And now, a word there to you who are elders in the church. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, 
God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends your greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Minty. Let's spend just a minute in silence to center our hearts on God, to invite his spirit to come, and to perhaps reflect on what was just heard. So come, Holy Spirit. So, Father, we lean and depend on your grace. And we thank you for these words written by one of your faithful friends, Peter. And we rest in the truth that you call us friends if we would turn to you and accept your love. So as uh, Peter says, clothe us in humility and call us to your service. Make us one and help us to not only hear what you're saying and to see what you're doing, but to become the people that you desire us to be. Amen. You guys seen Top Gun yet? Many of you? So I'm going to just tell you what happens. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, have I ever spoiled a movie for you? From the stage, I mean. I don't, I don't think so. I try to be really careful. No, I, I saw Top Gun this past week, the new one, Maverick. Uh, I thought it was really good. <laughs> I, uh, I'll say two things about it, but it relates to what Peter is saying. Um, 
maybe three things about it. <laughs> the, first, the first thing is uh, in watching Top Gun, I mean, I kind of wanted to join the Navy afterward. I don't know about you, but uh, no, that's not, that's not it. The, uh, I, I was in awe at what it takes to get a plane to take off off of a boat. And to, I think it's probably harder, actually, to get the plane to land on the boat. And it's not just the pilot. And so one of the shots that I think is recycled, from, I, I don't know that it's the same sh like actor person, but you see before the plane takes off, somebody going and hooking up the fuel line. And you know that plane doesn't get off the boat unless somebody puts fuel in it. And the plane doesn't get off the boat unless there's somebody running the power supply on the aircraft carrier. And the plane doesn't fly unless there's thousands, hundreds, I'm not sure. Like there's all these people that make it possible. And I mean, I don't think I would make a very good fighter pilot, but I think I could put fuel in one of the planes. So like I'm, insp I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by the fact that as people who are called to embody the life and character of Jesus, that we don't all have to be the same thing. We don't all have to be the superstar. We don't all have to be the fighter pilot, but we can serve in meaningful ways. Uh, behind the scenes, up front, and, and it's not a hierarchy of gifting. It is actually the grace of God that is poured out into us. And so uh, we, we already said happy birthday to Frank, but I, when I think about Frank, I think about somebody as a school teacher who pours his life out for Jesus into his students. And that's pretty hard this time of year. <laughs> or I guess we're in summer now. The last month of school before summer hits, that's, that, is, that is a gift to students, and he just keeps going. But some of you are doctors, and some of you are in care professions, and some of, I, some of you are fathers, and some of you are mothers, and some of you are just good friends who pour yourself out. And so there's, a, there's an honor and in the humility of finding your place and serving in the way that God has created you to be. Um, the second thing I like about the movie is that, for me, something changed in the last five years. I don't know exactly what it was, but I started relating to the old guy. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope I look that good when I'm 60, you know, working on a plane or like, anyway. Uh, but, but one of the things, I won't give this away, that Tom Cruise does is as, as an experienced elder, he shows the young bucks who think they know everything and can do anything, he shows them how it's done. He, he's a model and an example to show them what is possible. And he, he, uh, he teaches them a little humility along the way. So let's uh, open up, if you haven't already, to 1 Peter chapter 5. And we'll just, uh, I hope to read through the entire passage. We'll see if we get all the way. But it says, beginning, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder. This is another word for leader. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're old, although age and experience contributes to uh, authority. The, the idea here is, you know, you might be leading a life group or you might be leading a family. So there's lots of, I think, applications to what 
Peter is about to say, whoever you are, uh, or you might be uh, like leading a family as a father or as a mother. I don't mean to just um, narrow that in. But I am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. In other words, I saw it happen, and I'm here now to tell you and encourage you. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. You might just circle the word revealed there. This is an, one of the ways that the Bible talks about the return of Jesus. Uh, you might call it judgment day. If you have ever read the end of Revelation, Revelation 21 and 22, heaven comes crashing into earth and there's this new city. Uh, so this is the, the looking forward to the new age where Christ returns and is recognized by all as king. I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. And as a fellow elder, I appeal to you. The language here is so interesting because he could say, I'm Peter. You know who I am. I was with Jesus. But he says, I am with you. I am one of you. I do not stand above you. I stand beside you. And so as he gives this uh, exhortation. I want to speak to dads here in particular. I think there's something for you to hear. Uh, if you're a life group leader, listen to these words. If you serve in Vineyard Kids, let these words like hit your heart. He says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Those words speak to me. I hope that they speak to you as well. I want to comment just a little bit on uh, the motivation of why we serve. Uh, in verse 2, it says, you might even put parentheses around the words like, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because, of, because you are eager to, eager to serve God. And I think that's good to remember because if you're a parent or if you're a leader or if you're trying to care for a flock, whatever that flock looks like, there will be times that you will have to feed your sheep, nourish your sheep, encourage your sheep, uh, supply like emotional or spiritual nutrition for your family, for your team. But there will also be times, and none of us like to do this, I don't think, I personally don't, where you have to correct and you have to lead, and you have to guide and take them where they do not want to go. And that will pose challenges, and that will create pushback. And I want you to remember in those moments, maybe you'll have one today, that if you do it for Jesus, not for yourself, that will sustain you and help you to keep going. Because if you're doing it for the like, oh, this is fun and this feels good and my kids love me and my people love me, you will only fulfill half of what it means to care for your flock. You will not lead and correct and guide 
if you're doing it for any other reason than to serve God. So you don't do it for the gratitude. You don't do it for the thanks. You don't do it for the appreciation. Your motivation, the invitation here, is that your motivation be to serve God. And then verse 3 actually, I think, really gives some meat to what it looks like to lead people. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. So one of the temptations and what you see so often in the workplace, sometimes in churches, is that because I have authority, that means I get to give you orders. But the church is not the military. And what Peter is saying here is you should not, and if you try, it will not go well for you, just tell people how to live their lives. It works sometimes to tell your kids what to do and what not to do, but it will only work for so long unless you embody the kind of people that you want them to be. And so the word example here in the Greek is typos, typus rather. And that word maybe reminds you of a word that you guys do probably every day on your phone and on your computer, you type. But when typing first began, it wasn't like a digital thing that happened. You remember how typewriters worked? Click, click. There was an impression that was made, that made a mark on the paper. And so you actually, you find this word in various places. You could think of it as like one of those old king insignia rings where if there was a letter, you would seal it with wax and you knew it was from the king because you'd like take your ring and you'd push it into the hot wax and that would be your seal. And then you, you knew like this was genuinely from the king. So this idea of impressing on a, a, a surface. Uh, this, this is actually the same word that we find in the Bible when it talks about the scars of Jesus because there were nails pressed into his hands and feet. And so we have been impressed, we have been marked by the example of Jesus. The character and the person of Jesus has been pressed into us. And so as we lead, our mission is to return like make that same mark on people. I think it's a powerful image and so important when it comes to leadership. There's, there's more that Peter will say about leadership, but let's pick up in verse five. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, all of you, including the leaders he was just addressing, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Circle the word humility. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You can circle the word humility again there. Humility is trying to shine through for us to grasp and understand. And humility can be misunderstood. Humility is not self-deprecation. Humility is not thinking like the worst of yourself. Uh, C.S. Lewis puts it this way, true humility is not that you think less of yourself, but that you think of yourself less. 
And so the idea is that instead of making sure that I look good, making sure that I get credit, I ask the question, how can I serve others? When we look at the humility of Jesus, we find himself washing his disciples' feet. We find himself showing his agape, true, great love in his death and sacrifice on the cross. And so the question is, what are you doing it for? (laughs) And are you in a place where you are teachable? Can you think that you have growing to do? Do you remember that you have growing to do? Are you motivated by the recognition? Are you motivated by the love that you have for God and for others? Because pride is all over the place. And Like today, as it was back then, humility is not one of the cultural virtues. Uh, In the Greco-Roman world, humility was never seen as something to be esteemed. In fact, the word that comes to us from the Greek was only really described to label people whom the Greeks had conquered and had brought back into slavery. Those were the humble. They were the people who had lost, who had failed, and who had been subjected to the mighty hand of Greece. That's not the case of like the biblical story. It says, for instance, of Moses. Do you know how it describes, how the Bible describes Moses? As one of the most humble man, or as the most humble man who had ever lived. And you see in the person of Moses some of God's greatest power shining through. Some of the most amazing miracles that are performed in the Old Testament flow through Moses because I think of his humility. Because he is willing to be a vessel for God's power. He is reluctant to exercise that power. But he is obedient when God calls, if not a little like begrudging or hesitant. Maybe that's the better word. And so clothe yourselves or dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Be eager to serve. Be slow to take credit. Don't think of yourself all the time. When you post something on Facebook or Instagram, ask yourself, why am I putting this out there? If you're doing some service for somebody, ask yourself, is this for me or is this for God? Is this for the other person? Is this so that I look good? It's pretty sharp language. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So I'm thinking like actually probably all of us deal with a little bit of pride. Maybe we could just like repent and ask God for help here real quickly. How does that sound? Um, Because I I certainly have pride, and so I'm guessing you do too. So first, let's ask God. God, reveal in me ways that I have been prideful this past week. Show me where I have not been open to growth or correction, where I have not been, uh, where I've been full of myself. And now just pray these words with me in your heart. God, I am sorry for my pride. Teach me humility. 
watch out. God might answer that prayer. Teach me humility. Verse 7. This is one of those passages that you might want to write on a little post-it note, put it on your mirror or something like that. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. This is the ultimate, in a sense, act of humility, letting God carry the cares instead of you carrying it. Now, to to say, God, I lay all my cares on you doesn't mean that everything goes away. It just means that you don't have to be weighted down. It doesn't have to like spin in your mind and spin in your heart to trust God with the thing that is troubling you most right now. Because I bet you all of us have something that is upsetting us. What is the thing that's upsetting you most right now? There's probably something. Take that and say, God, I am going to unload that thing and trust you with it. To have faith or to have real trust includes first a humility to say, I cannot, I am not the Savior, I am not the King, I'm going to trust you with it. That's why humility is so important. Verse 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. I'm going to skip that today because next week we're going to start this passage. And you know what the first chapter is about? The devil. <laughs> So uh, we're going we're gonna to wait, and we're going to kind of do an overlap where we're going to start our next series with 1 Peter chapter 5, verses like 8 to 10 or so. So if you haven't gotten this book, grab it, read it. It's great. Uh, let's keep going. If you have a pen there, right above verse 10, if you have like my Bible, there's like just enough space to write, God of all grace. So where it says, in his kindness, God God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. The Greek there is is really God of all grace. So the original language uh, says God of all grace. And it just gets a little clunky. I get why they would use the word in his great kindness or in God's kindness, he called you to share in his eternal glory. But I, I think it's important to remember, especially if you've been reading this book along with us, and especially if you've just heard like God opposes the proud, you're thinking, oh man, I'm in big trouble. I like don't always follow what God is saying. And, and one of the main themes in First um, Peter is how to live holy lives while in exile. And so Peter is like going through all these ways to live and how to submit to each other and how to stand against kind of the the cultural uh, tide that wants to like pull you away from Jesus's character and Jesus's ethics and Jesus's way of life. Uh, And he's, he's saying, you know, do this and do this and do this. And if, if, you weren't careful, you might suddenly turn this into a works righteousness or I am good because I am good instead of I am good and I am beautiful because of God's grace. 
And so it doesn't take away all the commands. It doesn't take away the holiness. It doesn't take away the call to character. But it reminds us and holds in tension the fact that we serve a God that is like full of grace, abundant in grace. And we are welcomed into his family, not because of our good works, but because of his good grace. And so it's like Peter is saying, and don't forget the character of God. So the God of all grace, or in his kindness, verse 10, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. So underline the words restore, support, strengthen, and foundation. So the foundation word is actually a verb, so it's like he has foundationed you, sort of. But if, if you think about how these words progress, it's actually pretty cool. And uh, you, you could think of the word restore as like being healed. So if you're sick, uh, if, or let's say, let's say you've had a, a leg injury and you've had knee surgery. That hits a little close to home for many of you, I realize. But the first thing that happens is, is you have to go in and fix the problem. And then what happens is you need support. You can't walk after knee surgery. Am I right? You need someone to carry you. You need someone to give you a, like a walk. A, a walking chair, <laughs> a walker. Uh, so, so you get healed, you get fixed, but then you need support. And as you go, your, your knees get stronger, your muscles get stronger. And so you can like walk, but then eventually, uh, like you actually have a firm footing and it's saying like, God is doing this for us. He is restoring us, supporting us, strengthening us and, and establishing us. He is giving us like a place to stand, like into eternity, uh, where you will never be shaken again. And so Peter here says, so after you have suffered a little while, he restore, support, strengthen, and place you on a firm foundation. And I think this kind of works on two levels. This works on a like, you might be going through an intense time of suffering this year, but it's not always going to be this intense necessarily. And so God will do these things in you in the here and now. But he's also speaking to a future reality. And so could you put up that, uh, that kind of timeline? Here's a timeline of the world. And maybe if you've been in the vineyard a while, you've seen this. But one of the things we emphasize as we talk about healing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and miracles is that there, there's basically, biblically speaking, the present age and the age to come. And the present age is defined by sin, death, and suffering, and the age to come is defined by glory, restoration, and eternity, which you find these ideas wrapped into First uh, Peter verse 10. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after, you're, after you have suffered for a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. But what you see in this uh, timeline is that there's an overlap. The, the new age is coming, breaking into the present age when Jesus comes and does his ministry. The overlap continues until Jesus returns on judgment day, in the words of 1 Peter, when he is revealed to the whole world. 
Uh, and this is when suffering, death, and sin end. And so we live in this already not yet tension of we are in process of being restored, supported, and strengthened and being given a firm foundation that is incomplete. And so whether it's your own spirit or whether it's you're laying hands on somebody and asking for prayer or whether you're, you're working toward wholeness, there's this, it's, I'm getting a glimpse, I'm getting a picture, and it's just like out of reach. It's real, but it's not full. And so to, to say, like, I prayed for a miracle and it didn't happen, we, we, we recognize the overlap of, well, we're not going to place blame on anybody for not having enough faith. We're going to say we still live in the time of the present age and the age to come where it overlaps. So verse 12, now Peter most likely has been using a scribe uh, named Silas, Bible trivia. This is probably the Silas that Paul takes on his missionary journeys. So like, it'd be pretty cool to be Silas. You're spending time with Paul and you're spending time with Peter. And he'll mention Mark too. This is probably John Mark, the same Mark that wrote the gospel of Mark and also travels with Paul for a while. So Bible trivia. But uh, it's probably like Silas has been writing the letter up to now. Peter has been speaking. And now Peter says, give me the pen. I'm going to like, finish up here and write the postscript. Postscript. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. In other words, there's a lot of suffering that's referenced in this uh, book. It's not outside of like God, like God is still with you. God is still providing you strength. So stand firm in this grace. Verse 13, your sister church here in Babylon, a reminder of the reality of exile, a reminder that we are pilgrims, a reminder that this is not ultimately our home, but that we long for a heavenly city. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Be with peace be with you who are in Christ. So if we followed that verse 13 or 14, uh, literally none of you would probably come to this church. <laughs> uh, but it's just a great example of how what was culturally appropriate back then might not be culturally appropriate today, but there's still, there's a heart behind the words that we can apply. So I grew up in a pretty traditional church. And so they always said, greet each other with a holy handshake. I'm more of a hugger, uh, if you know me, but uh, the idea here is that one of the things God is doing is his, he's creating family. He's creating not a community of strangers, but a community that at the core, we have the same, like the most important thing for you is the most important thing for me, and that's Jesus. He ranks number one. And out of that core, I don't even thing, <laughs> out of that core why, we find deep community and connection. And so that's what God is building. But it, it only, it comes through God's grace and it comes through our humility to receive that grace and to interact with one another in humility. And so I want to tell you a story quick. There are these two brothers and they're both farmers. Uh, 
they, they grew a variety of things, but like the main thing they grew was wheat. And the older brother says, I'm going to leave this farm. I'm going to uh, go to school. I'm going to get into politics where I can make a real difference. So he goes to school and he gets into politics and he has like a, he's pretty famous. He goes back to his brother who's still on the farm and he puts his shoulder around him and he says, brother, it's, I think you should leave the farm and go and make something of yourself. And the brother looks at his politician brother. <laughs> the farming brother looks at his politician brother and says, look out there. You see those wheat fields? You know that the only ones that stand up are the ones with empty heads. The ones that bow down low are the ones that are full of fruit. And so I have a little picture of the wheat field. You can actually see, if you look closely, that the lower the wheat bows, the more fruitful the wheat is. And so, my friends, we come to the end of 1 Peter. And I want to remind you that we serve a God that is full of grace. I want to remind you the virtue of humility as we relate to each other and as we lead each other. Not to lord it over one another, not to judge, not to control, but to set by our example because we've been marked by Jesus himself. Jesus shows the way of humility and the way of service and better than any other person and better than any other message, he shows us the way of love. So let's pray. Come, God, and make us reflect your glory and your beauty and your humility. Change us. Holy Spirit, transform us. Give us strength and restore us. Amen. We're going to just do a little prayer time again, okay? Is that okay? I know uh, there's like, there's dads and there's grads and there's teachers. And so the first thing I want to do is if you, if you recently graduated from high school or college, stand up, or if you're a teacher, stand up. I know there's only a few of you, but what I want to make happen here is that I want a few people to like lay hands on these guys, and I'm going to give you a quick prayer training. Uh, again, two steps. First step is, hey, my name is so-and-so. Can I pray for you? Do you mind if I put a hand on your shoulder? And if the person, all these people will say yes, I think. <laughs> but if they say, nah, yeah, you can pray for me, but not the hand, that's cool too. Uh, and then the second thing is you pray, come Holy Spirit, and you wait for God to give you words, and then you speak them. So don't just fill the silence. Pray, come Holy Spirit, and wait, and then pray. So could some people just surround uh, somebody in the back, 
on the two sides. If you're on the live stream, sorry, bear with us. Got like five minutes here. Yep, people are coming to you. And so again, this is actually, I'm not praying for you. You're listening for God's spirit and you're going to pray for these guys. Whatever God puts on your heart. And as you do that, uh, this is going to be a little tougher because of the proportions of people. But if you're a dad, could you also stand up? I mean, if you really don't want, you know what, I'm setting you up to receive prayer. So basically, if you're not a dad, you're going to have to find a dad and pray for them. Got it? Uh, And so, again, maybe even ask God to highlight one of the dads in the room and go up to the dad and say, can I pray for you? Uh, And there's going to be some dads that feel drawn to pray for other dads, so maybe there's just like some prayer for each other. But let's do this for like five minutes, shall we? I'll, uh, I'll kind of keep an eye on things. But come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.